Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. This is the podcast for merchant sales reps and industry professionals who want to understand the industry and learn how to grow their portfolio. Later in today's episode, you will get the insider's report. Today, Patty Murphy talks about using value-added services and strategies to grow your ISO. In our last segment, James is going to answer questions from the field, including overcoming specific objections and selling e-commerce merchants. But for right now, let's jump right into today's interview with Dyson Barnett, CEO and founder of FanConnect. Well, Dyson, thanks so much for joining us today uh, here on the Merchant Sales Podcast. I really appreciate your time today. Hey, thank you. Thanks. Pleasure being here. Awesome. Um, well, hey, I thought we would start out today uh, because, you know, a lot of people probably don't know what FanConnect is. Um, and because you guys do so many different things, you know, primarily we have ISOs and agents listening in. So can you give us kind of the elevator pitch and how did you get into the payments industry and how did you start FanConnect? What, what is FanConnect? Oh, yeah. So, uh, well, let's see. FinConnect is a digital marketing company that helps merchants communicate with their customers and or patrons and connect with them using digital marketing uh, approaches like mobile, Wi-Fi, and uh, stored value solutions. Sure. And we got into the business uh, simply because, you know, we saw this need in the business of, you know, it's not so much about whether or not you can communicate with people, but it really was about building a list. We found out a lot of businesses simply just don't know how to do that, don't have the right tools to do that. And it was pretty difficult for them to do that. So that's where we really started on is, you know, how do you build a customer list, get it into a bucket or a database, if you will, and how and when and where and why do you market Market to these people, right? Yeah. And how can you increase that repeat uh, business? And uh, so then we got into, you know, into the space with payments. You know, my background, I have a background in payments as well. I've been okay. in the shoes of an ISO. Um, I know what it's like to, you know, kind of corral the troops and get agents and stuff like that and how difficult it is uh, to give them something to leverage, you know, that face-to-face -face meeting or, you know, that buying opportunity. So we, we thought it would be a great idea to go and companionize our solution sets uh, with the merchant um, ISO agent to go and help them really, you know, get in front of this buyer with something new, relevant, and exciting for their merchant base. So instead of saying something like, hey, you know, I can reduce your overall costs, why not come to them with something that's really important? Like, let me show you how to increase your business. And one of those tool sets is, of course, your processing, and that is reducing the cost. Sure. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, on this episode, we've been talking a lot about um, you know, gift and loyalty and these different things you can do to increase that value proposition because, you know, savings is a zero sum game, right? So, you know, you can only save the merchant so much money and every dollar you save is also a dollar that you're losing in profitability. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, with our with our solution, that's really where I think we become a great friend to, you know, the ISO agent, right? Because here we are, we're helping, you know, this ISO increase his or her merchant's sales volume and transaction volume. And if you did get into that, you know, customer's uh, opportunity or them processing with you, like you said a moment ago, you're shaving that profit. Well, this is a great way for you to increase that profit at least two, three, four times what you actually shaved. Sure. So, you know, we always tell a lot of ISO agents, you know, what if you had a customer that today is processing $12,000 a month and next month they're processing 14000 That would right. be really good for your business. And you know what? The merchant doesn't see any increase in fee other than from that you know, uh, simple processing fee. Right. So that's good news for them. Yeah, and if you extrapolate those numbers across the whole portfolio for a for a processor, that's a that's a pretty significant increase. 
So, oh yeah, I mean, we often see things like 18, 20, 22, 24 percent, sometimes even 30, 35 percent increases. Well, that's you know, if great. You get a decent percentage of your portfolio uh, doing this with you. So, so Dyson, one thing I thought was really interesting in, in uh, the first conversation we had a few weeks ago is just kind of like as I started, the light kind of came on and I understood how simple the process that you've made it for, you know, I'm a Joe Blow agent and I get out in the field, I, I make a sale, my processor has Fan Connect. Um, can you explain a little bit for the agent that's, that's wondering, okay, how does this fit into the sales process? What is the step? Like they, they have a merchant, let's say they already have a merchant account, for instance. What would they do to set up Fan Connect, and what would the experience for the merchant be from the kind of that initial week? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so there's a couple different ways that you could do that. You know, uh, some of our ISO agents choose to use our freemium model. Uh, this is where you already have these clients, and you know, maybe you're not in the tune of selling them something. Right, but surely you want to go in and show them, hey, you know what? Uh, we're your friend. We want to help you grow your business. So you would use our freemium product, put it in place for them, and say, listen, collect mobile numbers using this easy-to-use um, dashboard or a kiosk and/or your Facebook page, and have this our system automate sending your customers offers. It's that simple. And then once they get past 50 or 100 messages, then it turns into a premium account where they have control over how much money they're going to spend on the services. Uh, then we have another product suite that allows you simply to sell that product, right? So you can jump on the phone as a win-back campaign, perhaps uh, just a way to go and say, we're thinking of you, whatever the case may be, and you can sell them our solution sets that help you increase the recency and frequency of your customer coming in the door. Yeah. So something as simple as, hey, Mr. Merchant, how would you like to increase the number of times a customer comes in your door by three, four, five times? Sure. You know, one thing, um, I don't remember if we talked about this before, but is this product uh, branded, white-labeled at all? Like if an ISO wanted to, to offer Fan Connect as their solution, or are they, are they actually pitching the Fan Connect brand? Yeah, they could do both, right? So, okay. you know, for smaller uh, ISO agents that uh, really don't have the support infrastructure or perhaps the sales arms that they might want, they can uh, support the Fan Connect brand and put position that in front of the merchant. For the larger ISOs that do have that infrastructure, that at least have the ability to answer the phone um, when the customer needs them or more, they can do a white label solution with us. Sure. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And so, I mean, because that's really interesting. The freemium model has been really popular. Even I think I'm thinking about MailChimp. Um, you know, MailChimp yeah. has the the email where you can have up to I think it's a thousand subscribers uh, for free. And you know, like our company used them. Well, now we have you know I don't know twenty five thousand subscribers, and we pay them a lot of money. So you can generate a lot of revenue by getting them on board with that subscriber model of hey, it's free up until X, and then you're going to pay a small fee based on the number of subscribers you have. Yeah, and it's so simple. You know, we put that X out there to be something simple like, you know, go ahead and get your first 250 subscribers on us yeah. or send up to 50 messages a month and get those subscribers. And those, like you said, all of a sudden it turns into a $50 a month account. Right. And before you know it, six months from now, it's a few hundred dollars a month. Right. And the oh, merchants absolutely. loving you and you're loving them more so. Right, right. And the merchants have no problem spending money on marketing. You know, when, when it's, if it's something that's bringing revenue in the door, forget about it. They're, they're not, this, that's not an area where they're trying to reduce expenses. They're looking to make investments in those areas. Right. So. It would almost be like, you know, even in like, you know, the bad economy when we were all around in, you know, 2008 and 9 and those problem sets that were out there. Yeah, some people stopped marketing, but the ones that did, they're not here anymore. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So the point is, is that if you're making money, you rarely shut the doors and say, oh, no, I can't accept any business right now because business right. is bad. 
that's not a not, not, a not thing an option. We do. No. Um, okay. One thing I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about because I thought it was so cool. Um, so many of these companies uh, that reach out to me all the time and hey, we want to get exposure, and you know they don't have any integration whatsoever with standard terminals. Um, you guys have that. You have some software that runs on a normal terminal. Could you talk a little bit more about about that? What that does? You know. Um, how popular has that been with your merchants? Just kind of explain that a little bit more in terms of what you do on the actual, just a physical, you know, regular terminal that a merchant would install. Yeah, so, you know, the one of the reasons why we stayed within that area um, of doing, you know, terminal-related uh, solutions is very simple. Everybody knows what that is. So we decided, hey, you know what, since that's that's the case, let's go ahead and put our software in there. So we could do your typical uh, stored value solutions. Um, sure. We can also, you know, meaning gift and loyalty, gift and rewards, gift, gift and customer appreciation. Um, we see a lot more people using the rewards or a customer appreciation there. We also have the ability to push offers to you. Right. So, you know, come into our system, the customer can put in their mobile number and all of a sudden push an offer right to you. Right. Um, we, and also register you in there. So there's a lot of neat things that we could do there. And we've been able to certify our terminals on the VX520 line from Verifone nice. with Sterling, uh, Harbor Touch, you know, Chase, you know, a couple others. And we're even looking at how do we do that on the Clover system. So right now, mm. if you have a Clover product, you can actually go ahead and just launch something as simple as our web browser to integrate right to us. Hmm. Wow, that's awesome. You a really, you know, great opportunity without selling your customer anything else that they already have this feature function and all you have to do is unlock it. Yeah, and see, I, I really love that that pitch. Like, I've talked a lot um, recently about the point uh, terminal, which I really like. Um, and I love the idea of just collecting the information because, you know, the merchants understand that's their big weakness, that they don't have the data. You know, the, the reason they're having a hard time competing with Target and and uh, Walmart, in many cases, uh, you know, you would think it's always priced, but it's not always priced. Target, a lot of times, charges higher prices than local retailers, but Target has all the data, and they know how to target, uh, you know, no pun intended, um, how to target the right person. Um, and so with, with something like this, you can go in and say, hey, look, here's this terminal that you thought was just a, a dumb terminal that you just process transactions through. Well, guess what? We can turn it into a smarter, a smarter experience where we're able to, to grab mobile numbers and get data from the customer list, right? Yeah, and that's very close to what we actually, it almost sounds like you've been working with us. <laughs> I'm a salesman. What can I say, Dyson? <laughs> well, that's one of the things that we say to a lot of the ISO agents is, you know, it goes a little bit beyond. You know, if you've already tried to sell this merchant and historically, maybe they're already your customer. Uh, you know, the one thing is that, like you just said, that terminal can do so much more than just process payment. And it's also right. a great sales leverage pitch, right? So you can walk in the merchant and say, hey, you know, I see you have that terminal and you accept credit cards. Wouldn't it be great if that terminal could also be used to enhance your marketing? Let me show you how if you've got 15 minutes. Right. Yep, absolutely. Well, that's good. Um, I'm trying to think before I – well, let's let's do this. Before we, we close out here, for sure, I want to make sure that we uh, give people a place to go. So if I'm uh, an ISO and I want to learn more about working with you guys uh, – well, let me ask this question first. If I'm an individual agent, can I work with you as an mm -hmm. individual agent or do I need to go through my processor for that? Am I ISO? No, you you can. We welcome you know all walks uh, okay. pretty much. You know we want to make sure that everybody has an opportunity of helping their you know themselves make more money. Okay, cool. So if I'm a, an agent or an ISO, where do I go online to find out more information about you guys and and reach out to inquire about the reseller program and packages? Yeah, so you can go to getfinconnect.com. Uh, that's our basic website, and if you want, you can put slash ISO agent. 
tools. Okay. And that'll bring you to a hidden website inside of our website that talks specifically about our freemium models, our Wi-Fi, and marketing suite products. Great. So for everybody, if you didn't catch that, if you're driving, it's it's three words. It's get, G-E-T, fan, F-A-N, connect. So getfanconnect.com. Um, and then what was that? You said getfanconnect.com slash, what was that again? ISO agent tools. ISO agent tools. There you go. Good. So we're almost done here. Dyson, give us some final words of wisdom. Are there any extra things that you want to talk about with uh, the software that you have? Any experiences maybe that ISOs have had that have been a positive experience or tips you could give for people that want to resell this? Yeah. So first, is in every case that we've seen where people do work with us in the world of ISO or agent is they almost always see you know, an increase of uh, transaction count for their customers. And that's really where you that's can huge. make a lot of, you know, extra revenue, of course. And then lastly is this is really a great opportunity for you to go beyond differentiation, right? Because anybody can be different. You say a different word or a different way of doing things. But really what you wanted the merchant to do is look at you in a very different way, right? So right. just changing that a little bit, putting a tool like Fan Connect in front of your merchant and letting them decide how to do business with you might be the game changer for how many accounts you acquire. And uh, lastly is just think of all the accounts that you didn't get when you were out. This may be that turning opportunity or that point that you can go back to them and say, hey, I've got something amazing to show you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we didn't even really talk about on the on the comp side. I mean, obviously, you know, I, it's funny because I think most ISOs and agents right now, their primary concern is I want to get more people to tell me yes to merchant services. Um, and this is a great hook to do that. But yeah, like you mentioned, in addition to that, you're, you're kind of building up in a, a, a totally separate uh, book of business or a different portfolio that's going to generate profits for years to come as well. Yeah. And that we also notice that those that do exactly that, where they're leveraging this solution, just think, what if you have 100 merchants that are uh, using the Fan Connect tool set through you as a reseller? It may be a perfect opportunity for you to use your payments as the value add. That right. way you can get them just because you already have an existing relationship and it's of trust. So that sure. might be a very different uh, way for you to acquire merchants. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, a lot of good opportunities there. Um, well, Dyson, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing uh, with us about Fan Connect. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having us. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by Greensheet.com, a premier resource for the electronic payments industry. The Green Sheet has been on the beat since 1983, always focused on boosting the feet on the street in our evolving sphere. We hear and read a lot about mobile, especially over the last several years. So I thought it would be useful to examine how ISOs and MLSs can reach beyond the hype around mobile and assess what mobile means for them and their merchants. Mobile is really a multi-pronged opportunity. So the first order of business for an ISO or MLS is to choose an area of focus. This might be payments, apps, or customer engagement and loyalty. While some may be tempted to pursue more than one area of focus, it's a good idea to start by offering merchants just one of these iterations of mobile, at least initially. Yeah, definitely. I think mobile is just so important. Um, you know, even one thing we'll probably talk about a little bit more at the end is it's interesting even how ISOs are using mobile to work with their agents. Yeah. The online applications that are moving more to mobile and, you know, tablet systems. And it just, I think mobile is just absolutely so crucial because it's one of those undeniable trends. 
undeniable, right? I mean, what I is mean, the five years from now, are your agents and merchants going to be using mobile more or less? More, more, of no course. doubt. Everybody agrees. And 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 if no, if for no other reason than the generational differences, right? You know, the the people who are coming of age right now have been in, in a mobile environment their entire lives. Absolutely. People like me, even who haven't, you know, have only been in mobile for like the last third of their career, say. Sure. Um, we've become addicted to it too. Yeah. You know, so, so, um, I think. You know what we should look at? I wanted to just quickly talk about yeah, payments, and absolutely. that's probably the most talked about area. Of course. Uh, and the term mobile payments generally refers to the use of mobile wallets. Right. Uh, these are apps that are loaded onto smartphones, tablets, or other smart devices, and they're populated with credit and debit card information. A consumer initiates a no- mobile payment by either tapping their device on a terminal or using a QR code. To accept mobile payments, a merchant needs a POS system and software that's mobile compatible, and most of the newer systems right. are. Sure. Many smaller merchants, though, they like the convenience of mobile POS, which is a little bit different than mobile payments. When right. I think of mobile POS, I think of iPads or tablet-based systems. Sure. And these can provide a lot of flexibility for accepting payments either at the counter or out in the store sure. or out in the field. Sure. And they can be integrated with PC-based right. systems, which is the real key, uh, especially a lot of young merchants. I think they like the, the, the feel of the multi-channelness oh, that that offers. Yep. You know? Definitely. Um, then, of course, you have mobile card readers like Square. Right. And they, I think these have limited appeal. You know, mm-hmm. and, it's, and we've talked about this in the past, right. really pretty much just for the small fries and right. growing them into a, a bigger solution. Sure. Now, there's a do- downside to mobile payments, and that's probably the biggest one is lack of breadth. Breath. Yeah. Um, most can support only card payments. Right. Now, there are many businesses for which checks and ACH transactions have appeal. Sure. So where are you going to, you know, yeah. how are you going to, su- do you want your merchant to have to support two different types of exceptions. Sure. And I think that that's a key question for a lot of people. Well, it's so interesting too because even, you know, some of the tablet solutions that were rolled out by ISOs, mega ISOs early on, mm-hmm. they were it was like there's no cash drawer, there's no printer and you're like who's going to use this? Exactly. You know, and they very quickly realized, "Oh, we have to add a cash drawer and a printer and, you know, if it, is it a point of sale system or not?" And so I think like you it's very important for them to kind of understand how are they using this and who's using this and what you know like if you're doing a, a delivery business where they're trying to use mobile for delivery well then you could reasonably say you know credit card only right but if you're talking about a you know retail in store you got to have multiple options for payments and, and, and for sure and and especially if you're an omnichannel merchant right right I mean if you're gonna if you want to support e-commerce as well. Right. Do you want to have a separate system just for that? Uh, right, exactly. And I think also, you know, when you think about the tap and pay payments, you yeah. know, Apple Pay and Google Pay. Sure. I don't know about you, but I really don't see a lot of people using those. No. And it's... in fact, I, I did a little research and and in terms of consumer adoption, um, one report by Oriyama Consulting, which is a, they yeah. do a lot of consulting in this area, revealed that total ma- mobile payment usage among eligible consumers, actually dropped from 30% to 25% between 2016 and 2017. Really? Wow, that's interesting. Isn't it? Now, I know they had a big, uh, they had a pretty big jump in, um, 
uh, what was that? The uh, Thanksgiving Black Friday. Right. Mobile payments there jumped, and I think it's because so many retailers, they're so nervous they want to get the mobile payments right. that they were doing special offers to push people to, to that. To push people to that. Right. And I, must, I, I will say that this data was from October to October. Oh, there you go. That's so, very interesting. You know, it didn't show that Black sure. Friday rush. But right. I agree with you. A lot of that was just marketing. Sure. And and that's a big deal. I mean, that's a yeah. big part of the mobile thing. It doesn't yeah. do you any good to have mobile payments. Right. If you're not letting people know sure. or encouraging them to yeah. use it. And I think that's where we're seeing a lot of um, the lackluster appeal coming from is a, sure. a lack of merchants really pushing this right and it's, maybe it's because they don't really see the uh the benefits the benefits yet well you know it'll be interesting because if the tap and pay stuff does take off eventually mm -hmm. that will make the mobile payments a little bit more attractive because the swiper right is you know the main reason that larger merchants like say a pizza shop doesn't want to use a mobile device for you know with a swiper is just because the swipers are kind of crappy they, they don't right. really work that well and they get gunked up exactly right. so if it was just tap and pay that might become more attractive. You know, have your have your waiters and you know out with a uh, you know just an iPod or something along those lines to take payments. That could work. And I've seen that in a few you know yep. really forward. JC Penney even was doing that for a while. Mm -hmm. And a couple of restaurants that I've been to, you know, the, yep. And I'm sure you're familiar with these tabletop systems. Yep. Uh, it's a nice it's a nice it idea. Yeah. But again, you know, it has to be robust. Right. And and until it's robust enough. Yeah. I, I think you're going to I think consumers are going to be slow and merchants right. as a result are going to be slow. Yep, absolutely. So mobile apps. Mobile apps can be an effective and low-cost channel of communication between merchants and customers and prospects. In fact, some technology analysts have suggested that most consumers prefer mobile apps to online services or even to mobile web. Uh, mobile apps are generally superior to websites because they're not dependent on most mobile browsers. Sure. Uh, which makes them faster. Right. Uh, they also enable retailers to take advantage of smartphone features like geofencing. Yep. Which is uh, you know can support location-based marketing. Sure. To gr gain traction, I think mobile apps need to be relevant and they need to be free of glitches. Yeah, definitely. Now, I've seen reports that suggest over eighty percent of downloaded apps are used once and then eventually deleted. Yeah. And then, frankly, of my personal experience, <laughs> is yeah. an indication it's probably over 90%. Yeah. Um, some ISOs I've come across prefer to build their own apps. Mm -hmm. Others rely on acquirers or their technology partners. And I think there's benefits to, to each. Sure. Um, but, of course, if you're doing your own, I think you need to have some really top-notch oh yeah. uh, tech guys on your staff. Sure. Or at least on, on retainer. Yep. Um, whichever way uh, ISO or MLS chooses to pursue mobile apps, remember, make it simple for merchants to use and be sure it drives real value, not only for the merchants, but for the end users. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a conversation that I'm really passionate about because, you know, we have a development shop. Um, right. So a couple interesting trends I could add to that conversation. One of them is, you know, the debate between mobile app versus mobile web. Um, as of right now, mobile app definitely is winning. Mm -hmm. However, um, there are some new innovations that Google and several other companies are coming out with uh, where you're going to be able to build a mobile. Because here's the problem. You know, so like for our company, if we wanted to build an app right now, a loyalty app, let's say for an ISO, they called us, hey, build us a loyalty app. Mm -hmm. Well, 
it's going to be just monumentally easier to build that as a web application. It's going to cost sure. us probably a fifth of what we would charge to build it as native. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, just building a native app is so much more involved. But as you mentioned, geofencing, even things like adding the payment dongle, Right. Well, mobile web, it's it's virtually impossible. Right. So, you know, you can go to somebody like NMI uh, Gateway or someone like that that has a really good mobile, uh, you know, developer solution, but you're not going to make that work inside of a, a web application. Right. And so as of right now, you you know, the, if you want to make something that is truly going to be considered professional and just, you know, really great tool, you're going to want to do it as a mobile app. But I would definitely say be on the lookout because uh, some of these compiled web applications that are coming out, um, they're going to be able to access things like, you know, the, the geo-targeting and mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think it'll be, I think the next 24 months will really be interesting. There's a lot of people, because of what you said, where people download the app and then they don't use it. Right. For that same reason, there are a lot of people that are thinking, should it be a downloaded app or can we use mobile web for these types of things? And how can we evolve mobile web? Exactly. Because, I mean, you know, face it, everything's evolving, right? Exactly. And, uh, you know, some of the some of the web functionality, like the Google-like yep. functionality, yep. are so valuable to yeah. merchants. Yep. You know, it's just a matter of when some, when a technology becomes affordable. Yeah. And uh, and can be migrated right. effectively. Right. I think you're right. I think we're going to yeah. see that change. But for the time being, I think apps are much more. I agree. Prevalent, or much more preferred. At least on and the more end professional. User. It just looks better. They look better, don't they? One other interesting side note I'll make on this too is, you know, if you are an ISO and you're looking to build a mobile solution like what we're talking about, you have three paths that you mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. You can build it yourself. Right. You can have somebody else build it for you, or you can basically, you know, skin or brand somebody else's solution. Right. The one that I would definitely advise against is having it built for you. Yes. The reason is because these shops, they'll build it for you, and then they're done. Or you're going to pay them $400 an hour for their work to improve. So the problem is, if you're going to make one of these solutions, you got to understand when you roll it out, it's not going to be what you want. you got to wait to get that feedback. And so the problem is, these development shops, they will, you know, build a solution and then it's like they hand it to you. Here you go, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Here's your app. Right. Awesome. Well, then what? You don't have the people to support it. Right. And 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 and, and the, to to your point, you know, this shop is building apps for ISOs and pet stores, pet stores and, and, right. and pizza shops <laughs> right. and telephone companies, exactly, energy companies. They don't know. They don't know our business. Right. I mean. You know, folks that I know, like yourself, that have your own development shops or have right. developers on retainer, right. they spend a lot of time oh, making yeah. sure those people understand this business. And this oh, is yeah. not a business like a lot of other businesses. It's not. There's regulations. There's yep. card rules. Um, there's all kinds of reporting requirements. Sure. Um, and all the accounting. Right. I mean, and, and these are things that the average developer just doesn't, just doesn't know. know. Yeah. I yeah. mean... I, I tell a quick story on the side. I used to be married to a programmer, okay. and he got hired by a company that was developing check imaging software. Sure. You know, I spent almost a month. It's like, here's everything I've ever written right, on right. check imaging, you know. Right. And he would come home and say, hey, what about this? Sure. You know, how do you deal with routing numbers and yep. things? Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that a... Until you understand the domain and the, the big picture of it, you, you can't make something that's going to be user-friendly. No, not at all. So, and then I think that the last point, uh, the customer engagement and loyalty. Oh, um, so important. So yeah. important. And there's so much going on in that area. 
you know, I think it's one of the best ways for an ISO or MLS to add value to the relationships. Sure. You know, attracting and retaining customers is a particularly critical process, for, particularly for small brick and mortar. Yeah. You know, these guys are being besurged by, uh, besieged by online competitors. Yep. Uh, fortunately, the pro- proliferation of smartphones makes it easier and cheaper than ever for small merchants to effectively stay in touch with their customers. Yeah. But don't take my word for it. According to a survey by the search engine giant Google, better than 80% of smartphone owners report noticing a mobile ad on their mobile. Mm-hmm. And one, nearly one out of two of those people reported taking action on the ads. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. It is. I mean, it's not like uh, the, the ads that come in through the mail anymore, right? Sure. Um, of course, mo- mobile marketing isn't just about flashy ads. Right. Uh, simple text messaging can be a great tool. Absolutely. Particularly when paired with things like geofencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those who don't understand, geofencing is a software tool that can trigger alerts when a device is within a certain geographic location. Sure. Um, but the, the real key, key thing to remember um, with, with um, customer engagement and loyalty is to keep it relevant. Yeah. You know, even the simplest little things like getting your customers to give you their e- email ad- addresses. Right. Maybe or maybe their mobile phone numbers. Sure. And by the way, when's your birthday? Right. Yeah, you know, it was my birthday last week. I got three mobile messages wishing me a happy birthday. Yeah. That was really cool. Right. And I remembered those guys. Right. And it was like building brand loyalty. That was it. You yeah. know, one of them was from my airline. <laughs> you That's know, right. one of them was from my, from my uh, you know, from my um, online um, bookkeeping. Oh, right. Service, sure. you know. Sure. And, and the other was from Amazon. Yeah. Yep. And they they're very good at keeping that data. They are. So, and, and that's the kind of data, just those very simple points. Yeah. I could just see, you know, what if my favorite Chinese restaurant had sent me a birthday wish? Right. You know where I would have gone to dinner that night? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? I yeah. think those are the kind of things that are, yeah. that are really important. Just very simple. You don't have to go out and spend a ton of money right. to leverage these tools. No. Well, I think to me, the most important thing is as an ISO or even an agent in the field, You've got to look at all your stakeholders, you know, whether that's, you know, in consumer, merchant, agent, uh, you know, underwriting, whatever, every one of your stakeholders and understand that three years from now, they're going to be using their mobile phone a lot more than they are today. Right. So what are, what is your company going to do to make yourself more convenient uh, so that, you know, whoever those stakeholders are and whatever it is they're doing, they can do it more conveniently on their mobile device. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thanks, Patty. That was great. Thank you. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com. CC Sales Pro is the leader in merchant sales training and creator of instantquotetool.com, the quickest way to provide your merchants with an accurate estimate on the spot. Visit us today to start your free 30-day trial or inquire about our branded ISO solutions. All right, our first question from the field is from Chris. He says, how much markup is too much markup morally speaking. I love how he added the morally speaking. Right, <laughs> yes, Patty? That's yeah, good. That's good. So I'll, I'll answer this and then I'll let Patty chime in at her thoughts. So my thought is that the key here is honesty in the communication. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, there are so many different models out there. You know, I know ISOs who mark up very, very little and they sell a lease. Mm-hmm. You know, I know ISOs who do a free terminal, mark up a little bit more. Right. Um, <clears throat> I know ISOs who mark up, you know, a lot, but they're like, hey, we're just going to match your current rate, but your service is going to be better. So to me, I don't think there's necessarily a right answer here. Um, I would say industry average for, you know, these ten to $20,000 a month merchants overall, probably about 70, 80 basis points of markup if you add in everything, you know, fees mm-hmm. and all. That's probably an average, but again, I wouldn't say that's a hard number that you have to go at that. But to me, the key thing when you're talking about morally speaking, the only moral argument to me is honesty. Yes. If you're tricking the merchant into signing up for something and they don't realize how much markup, then it's too much markup no matter what it is because you've tricked them. Right. But if you're honest with them and you know, you could say, look, I'm going to charge you $100 more per month than your current company, but you're getting this point of sale system for free or you're getting this or that or the other thing, you know, the loyalty app like we talked about earlier you know, whatever. So I don't think there's a right answer here to me. It's just be honest and let them know what, you know, what it is going to be so they know what to expect. I, I'd have to agree with that. Um, my, my smarty pants answer was, well, it depends on what your morals are. But, <laughs> right. um, but, you know, I really do think honesty is the biggest thing. And I think it's always been a, a, a troubling point right, in this industry. Sure. Uh, and I've talked to more than one merchant who's like, you know, I don't care if this costs me $5,000 a year. It's great for my cash flow. Right. Right. But if you're going to hang me out to dry, sure, then I care. You sure. know, um, most merchants in my mind are willing to pay for good service. Yep. And yeah. that's really the bottom line. They expect to be paid for good service and they sure. expect to pay for good service, but they don't expect to, you know, cut into their own margins in right. an extreme way. Yeah. You know, it's funny to me. So many ISOs and agents alike, they go out with this idea of, I'm going to pitch the lowest price, the best service, and the best technology. Yeah, no, right. you're not. Mm-hmm. Pick what you're going to promote because the merchant says that's too good to be true, and they're right. Of course. Right? So you've got to you know, pick your poison. What are you going to do? If you're going to go out there and be the lowest cost competitor, then be lowest cost and make sure you tell people if you try to you know, reach out to me, I have everything going through support at – you know, you call this support number, you know, be honest. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you going to provide, you know, when I was out in the field, uh, you know, I had uh, extra terminals in my trunk. Back then it was the VX510. You know? Sure, right. And, you know, I literally, 10 o'clock at night, one of my clients, it's a bar called, you know, I'm going to replacing a terminal. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but that I told people that and I didn't, I wasn't the lowest priced in my market. Right. Right. I marked up a little more, but that's because I was providing that level of service. So I think you got to pick your battle, pick your value proposition and then go with it. Don't you also think, though, perhaps it also differs on the type of client? Like if you're if you're an ISO um, focused on several different verticals, yeah. you might have a different strategy for each of those verticals. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you know, I always say you're not, you know, in business, you're not operating in a vacuum. Right. You have competitors. And there's no cookie cutter approach. No. Even no. to pricing, there's really no right. cookie cutter approach. Yep. Absolutely. Good question, Chris. Uh, Chris, thanks. We'll jump on to our next one here. Our next question comes from Miles. This is a question I've been getting a lot lately, actually. When dealing with merchants who want to do cash discounting, how do you address the lack of integration to key POS systems such as Micros? Okay, so I'm going to give some plugs here for some different companies that I know of um, and also talk about this issue from a, a broader perspective. So the main issue is when you're doing cash discounting, uh, the companies doing cash discounting, a lot of times they're not integrating with these point of sale systems because you have to add a service fee. 
and mm -hmm. Micros doesn't have the option to do that, you know? So a lot of the point of sale systems don't have an integration. So the first thing I wanna cover is who does cash discounting on point of sale? Um, there are several options I wanna give you really quick. Number one on the list is Mint. Uh, M-I-N-T, I think, or M-Y-N-T, I can't remember. Look up Mint POS. Um, it's a tablet point-of-sale system. Mm -hmm. Fairly full feature. They have cash discounting integration. Um, eHopper is another one. eHopper has a really good one. And theirs is pretty interesting because it actually, we really need to interview their president. We'll have to get him on here sometime. I was talking to him recently. Uh -huh. But they actually do everything inside of the point-of-sale system. So the the acquirer really doesn't even know necessarily the merchants on a cash discount because it's all handled inside the point of sale before the transaction is sent. Very cool. Which is nice yeah. because a lot of the acquirers are a little, you know, a little iffy, iffy about that. it. Right. Yeah. Um, the third one I will tell you is point, P-O-Y-N-T. Now, point, the reason I bring that up, um, this one is kind of a hack. You have to know a little bit to pull it together. But uh, point has an integration with Micros, which is why I bring it up here and they do cash discounting. So you can do something called a semi-integration. Mm -hmm. um, semi-integrations work great, whether you're using maybe even Deja Vu, they have a great, Deja Vu Z11 has a great uh, developer package. So with a little bit of extra expense and work, I mean, again, if you have a merchant that has four micros terminals, they're probably gonna save $30,000 a year on cash discounting. So, you know, you're talking about a big restaurant. This is like, you know, for them to invest another three or 4000 to get this is not crazy. Right. They're going to make that back in two months. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is look into semi-integration. The way a semi-integration works, for those of you who don't know what that is, the point-of-sale system doesn't handle the cash discounting. What they do is they send a signal over to the terminal that says, hey, we need to run this transaction for $100. The terminal separately says, okay, well, I'm going to add 4 bucks onto it because I've got a service fee for cash discounting. They run it for 104, send back the authorization to the point of sale system. And again, depending on which point of sale you're dealing with and the integration, I'm actually working right now to integrate uh, for an agent. I'm working with him to help him integrate with a point of sale. And, you know, it's tricky. Um, you, you have to figure out how to do it. But a lot of times you can set that up to where either all of the uh, service fees are just handled in the terminal uh -huh. and the point of sale system doesn't even know about it. Or it comes back in as kind of an adjusted transaction, like a tip type transaction. So there are ways around it, um, but the two most common ways would be either um, you know doing a semi-integration or just finding a different system uh, that's going to work for you. And the last one I'll tell you is, and don't discount this one, um, if you have a medium-sized merchant, maybe they've got one micro system. There, you know, you go in there and say, hey, I'm going to save you fifteen thousand dollars a year. So they may be willing to just take the the credit card processing completely out of the point of sale. Doesn't even mm -hmm. have to be integrated, right? Mm -hmm. So there's nothing standing in the way of you just setting a, you know, Deja Vu Z11 or VX520 next to the point of sale. And when somebody runs, you know, a transaction on the point of sale system, you can, on most point of sale systems, you can actually turn off the credit card integration. So you still click on this is a credit card transaction, but you run it on a totally separate terminal. So just like at the end of the night, they true up their cash transactions right. and make sure it matches and checks. They also true up with their batch settlement report. So there's a lot of ways to skin that cat. Yeah, there are, but but it seems that it's it's still workarounds in a lot it's of It's still reasons. workarounds, absolutely. I mean, again, with the exception of you know eHop or Mint, but if you have like an existing point of sale system that you want to integrate cash discounting with, you can do it. You can you can do it for uh, a price, mm -hmm. um, or you can just cut the point of sale system out and separate it and do it that way. Which again, is not ideal. I realize that. You know, merchants like, wait a second. You know, I spent all this money on this point of sale. Right. I want to run it through it. It's like that's fine, but again, you know, in the conversations I've had with merchants, when you're like. Okay, so what you're telling me is it's inconvenient to do it that way. Is it fifteen thousand dollars a year inconvenient? Is the question. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, that'll kind of reshape the the conversation a little bit. True. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. 
stuff. Good question. I've been getting that one a lot. Thanks, Miles. Our next question comes from Kay, and uh, this is a pretty deep question here. She says, my question would be how to dive back in when life seems to have struck you out. And she goes on to talk about some personal things going on in her life um, that are keeping her from, you know, her objective of getting into merchant services full time and, and making it happen. So I have a couple of, of tips. Um, you know, it's, it's really interesting, Kay. I'm so glad you asked this question. I actually... One of the only times I've ever done this, I actually recorded a video podcast episode blog article about six months ago that I never published. Um, I think that's one of the only times I've done that. I just wasn't quite comfortable with it. And it was called What to Do When You're Broke. or I think it was How to Sell Merchant Services When You're Broke. Mm -hmm. And it was very personal. It was, you know, when I got into the industry, my wife and I went through six months where, I mean, it was like behind on the rents. You know, the electric's not paid. I mean, so, so Kay, I can tell you I've been there. I know exactly Mm -hmm. uh, how you feel. So let me, let me just give you a couple tips from, from my time. So number one, make a plan, make a plan. You say, well, my plan fell apart. Make a new plan, okay? You have to have a plan that is realistic. And it has to be malleable. Exactly. Because nothing can be cast in stone. No. And, you know, you might make a plan today, and it might change tomorrow. Yes. But you know what you do tomorrow is? Change your plan. There has to be a conscious effort to say, this is my plan. You know, can you work four hours a day right now? Can you work three? You know, what is realistic? Don't say, my plan is to work 14 hours a day, and I've got, I'm a single mom with three kids. Right. You're not going to work 14 hours a day. You're going to work six if you're very if you're lucky. really lucky. Right. right. So what is your plan? Make your plan. Number two on my list is communicate that plan to the people in your life who matter. Mm-hmm. You have to have the conversation. My wife and I just, was it yesterday or day before we were talking about how, you know, it's, it really, you know, we've seen a lot of marriages even that fell apart in that relationship of that business struggle, starting mm-hmm. the business, oh, mm-hmm. how we're going to make it. And, you know, for us, I think it was just the constant communication. And I think that happens. You know, I was talking to a rep uh, maybe a year ago. I had lunch with a rep and, you know, he was going to dive in. He was making a hundred thousand a year salary at his job, wants to start selling merchant services full time. And I said, you know, well, you have teenage kids. Do they understand that they're not upgrading to the next iPhone? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's conversations you have to communicate. So make a plan, communicate that plan to everybody who's going to be affected by that plan. And I'm not just talking about family. You know, there was a lot of communication early on for me with my landlord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Literally, you know, it's like I'm going over there, you know, twice a month to pay a third of my rent as I'm falling further behind. It's like, hey, I'm starting a business. If, you know, if you're going to kick us out, let me know that and I'll make arrangements. But, you know, I promise you I'm going to pay this, but here's my plan. Mm -hmm. And see, I'm sharing. And because I have a plan, he is comforted by that. Right. If I just didn't pay the rent, he's like, okay, I'm going to kick him out. But it's like this guy's, you know, paying me what he can. Right. You know, I'm calling the electric company. Like you, you've got to communicate with the people that where it really, really matters. Because people really will help you. Absolutely. If you just are honest with them. You know, yeah. I, I, I have tenants myself, and I've had tenants that were unemployed or starting sure. new businesses. And instead of coming over and saying, "Hey, you know, right. this is my, this is what my problem is, and this is where I'm going," they just, you know, hide in the apartment. And, right. Exactly. You know, if you're well, if you're hiding from your problems, they will get the best of you. They will get the best of you. Definitely. Yes, yes yeah. So, you know, that would that's a couple of things I would say. And the last thing I would tell you, Kay, is just keep going because, you know, when you are going to get on the other side of this, if you keep pushing forward mm-hmm. and when you do all of the things that, you know, all the people in your family that are telling you you're crazy for doing this business and all of the people that are the naysayers and, you know, oh, you can't. This is not going to work. And you're mm-hmm. crazy. You know, all of those people, you know, when you're making the big box and when you take them on the big vacation and when, you, you know, 
all that stuff's going to go away. Yes. And it will get better. And it just takes time. I mean, it's crazy when I think about it, it was like 10 years ago when I was in that situation. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you know, it seemed like, oh, this is never going to be over. Right. Well, it's over. It's been over right. for a while. You know, it's it, it goes away. You know, so mm-hmm. if you have any ambition that you're going to accomplish it, make a decision and say, here's my plan. Communicate the plan and then stick with it because you can do it. Um, to that, I would add, I have a, I've always... I've been self-employed for most of my life, yeah. And I have a little a little trick I play, and I put over my desk a picture mm-hmm. of what I'm going to reward myself with when I'm done with this asset, this facet. Yep. You know, whether it's this project or this facet of my career, maybe it's a, the beach of, on Hawaii sure. that I want to go to. Yep. Or maybe I actually have a picture of a $100,000 bill. Right. You know, which they don't print anymore. But, you know, right. just sure. the idea of I'm going to make $100,000 right. this year. You know, those types of things. It's, it's great because whenever I would get down and, oh, man, I just, mm. oh, today has been such a tough day. I just look up and go, oh, yeah, but if I make it through this month, I'm going to Hawaii. Exactly. And that, to give yourself a little reward at the sure. end is really important. Yep. You have to reward yourself. Yeah. And and one other point I would make, and, and, and this is a hard one. It's more of a philosophical point, but yeah. I'm a firm believer in um, nothing is permanent. Yeah. Even the bad stuff is right. not permanent. Absolutely. No matter, you know, no matter how bad it looks today. Sure. Um, it's going to get better eventually. Yeah. You know, you can't, I mean, everything comes around. Yeah. And you have to hold on. It's like being on the Ferris wheel, you know, when, when it's going through the really rough points, you have to hold on. Sure. But then you can enjoy it when it's going on the sure. other parts. And then just to end this one out, I'm, I'm actually going to throw a negative out to end it, which is usually a bad idea, but I'm ending with a negative, And that is, you know, are you cut out for business? Well, you have to be. Yeah. If you're not, right. then go find something else. Exactly. And so I think, and you it know, takes a lot of guts. It does. And to me, there's a, there's a fine line. And I think you have to focus on the results that are within your control, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's with it, you know, okay, it is it is absolutely within your control that next week you should be able to go out and make two quality contacts with merchants who are interested in your service. Mm-hmm. If you can't do that next week, that's a sign that maybe you do need to go get a job. Yeah. Right? Because right. now, next week you may not make $10,000. That's not totally within your control, but you might go out and you're going to talk to some merchants, you know, so... Are you, you know, do you have the structure and self-discipline to put the work in? If mm-hmm. not, you need to go get some structure, which is called the job. Right. 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 Well, and the other thing would be if you, you know, you maybe you have that. Do you have the skill set? Is this something that you feel like this is my calling, my passion? I'm going to be in business. This is what I'm going to do. It's hard. Right. It's not, I'm, you know, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, it's so, in business, it's so easy. You just persevere and you're going to make it. You know, if I decided right now that I was going to be the all-star NBA player in 10 years, Mm-hmm. I could work 16 hours a day on my basketball skills. You're I'm not going to make it because I don't have that skill set. Right. That doesn't make me a bad person or a less valuable person. Right. That's just not who I am. And so I think, you know, I think there's there's some practicality as well that you got to think about. But if you decide this is my calling, this is what I'm going to do. I'm passionate about this. Persevere and you can make it. Set goals. Absolutely. Love it. Great question, Kay. Thanks for bringing that one to us. Thanks a bunch. This has been another episode of Questions from the Field. Thanks for listening in. Make sure you tune in next week for more questions from reps and ISOs just like you.